0: Buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 258. Today, I'm going to chat with Brandon Maddox from Silencer Central, discuss a leaked domestic terrorism symbols guide from the FBI, highlight a new hybrid firearm from Wolfpack Armory, and talk about the news of zero inflation this week. I am your host, Abel Flannell. Brandon, how are you doing today?
2: Excellent. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Of course. I'm really excited to have you on. Before we get into the show, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. If you guys are into wheel guns smith and wesson just shared a pretty awesome one this week for wheel gun wednesday it's the model 327 from the performance center it's a compact eight shot revolver in 357 magnum designed to be super lightweight for carry The cylinder and barrel shroud are made from titanium to reduce weight. The frames made from scandium for additional weight savings while still being super strong. And trust me, I've I've toured that factory and it's pretty amazing how they make these frames. They're extremely durable. The action is then tuned at the performance center and it's just got a nice blend of like modern design with that old school because of the wood grips. It just looks really cool. Definitely check these out at smith-wesson.com.
0: The Things You Never Knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: Okay, so Brandon, so you are the owner of Silencer Central, which we're going to talk about here shortly. But before we do, I'm curious as to your background and how you got into this industry.
2: Yeah, good question. So most people think it's odd that I'm a pharmacist. So, uh, back when I went to pharmacy school, it was only, only five years. So the thought was uh, I could get an undergrad degree in pharmacy and always be a pharmacist. So okay. I keep my license up in North Carolina, Florida, and then the great state of South Dakota, where I live here, I did the MBA thing too. Just, I was in corporate America and they told me I had to get it. So I did, but I grew up in the Southeast. And then when I graduated, I spent most of my time in the Southeast in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. And I was at a pharmacy convention, keeping my pharmacy license up. And I met a young lady and they said, you don't want to meet her because she's from South Dakota. And I learned that means that you end up moving here to South Dakota.
1: (laughs) So, So that's,
2: that's, that's how I got to South Dakota. But You know, interestingly enough, there's not the population density for the pharmaceutical industry in the Dakotas like there would be on the East Coast Mm -hmm. where I grew up and worked. So when I moved here, I started prairie dog hunting and I decided that it seemed like a long way to drive four or five hours west to shoot. And as soon as you shoot, they all sort of scatter. So that sort of took me down the path of looking at suppressors. But thinking about Colorado, boy, last time I flew into Denver Airport, there was prairie dogs everywhere. They're clearly yeah. protected there out on the airport strip,
1: <laughs> right? No kidding. Yeah, they they are everywhere. Like you'll yeah. see them. It's like that little game that I don't know. I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese where like the little prairie dogs or gophers or whatever like pop their heads out of the hole. I mean, that's literally like real life when you're out like in the country. Yes, hundred percent, whackable, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're like okay. I need a silencer on this thing. And then you don't have to wait 15 minutes in between each shot, which makes perfect sense. Then what led you down the path of silencer central?
2: Yeah. Good question. So, you know, I should preface, this is like the early 2000s. So when I first bought one, literally there was nothing online about whether this would work or not. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the gun store, they really had no insight. They actually tried to encourage me not to buy it. They're like, man, it's so much paperwork. You don't want to do this. It takes forever to get them. You know, they really did everything they could to talk me out of buying one. So I will admit the first one I bought was super cheap and super heavy. And I love the ability to reduce sound, but I hated the stainless steel weight. I just, even I was shooting from a bench, Yeah. as soon as I put the sling on, I felt like a seesaw. I just swung all the way back and it just became annoying. So then I bought a second one. And the second one was short and small. And so it fit the bill of being light, mm-hmm. but it was super loud.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So now we're on a step three and it was just, it was a horrible process to buy the suppressor. And, it, and it's not me trying to knock on this particular gun store. I just think that this particular gun store, I mean, they arguably try to talk me out of getting it. It's not their area of expertise. It's not what they do every day. So you know, I told my wife I wanted to buy a third one. I was very fortunate in my wife, her dad, Has a federal farms license in his pharmacy. So it wasn't a tough sell with three of her siblings being a dentist in town and wanted suppressors for me to get a license from home. So honestly, the whole goal initially was to make the process simple to buy a suppressor, but selfishly for me and my family. Right. And then that's where it sort of took off, just working gun shows. You know, I worked gun shows starting out in South Dakota and then North Dakota and then. You know, we just kept growing. So we got to all 42 states where suppressors are legal. But I found there's a lot of other people out there that loved the benefit of shooting suppressed, you know, in this area more for probably hunting, but most people who hunt also, you know, do other shooting as well, target shooting. And it seemed like a good niche. People were interested in an easier way to acquire a suppressor. And I would say I leveraged What I learned in pharmacy school, just being very detail-oriented making sure the paperwork's filled out correctly. You know, sometimes I kid, you know, right patient, right bottle, right pill, right medication, you know, just Mm -hmm. all those things that you think about, you know, from a career standpoint, translating that into getting the suppressor. And it is is a lot of paperwork. So making sure you have a process to nail that down, I found was very beneficial and it just sort of caught on. I mean, we probably as a per capita, South Dakota has got to have one of the highest you know, or ownerships just because we worked every gun show, farm show, sportsman show, anywhere where I used to always say anywhere there was somebody with a wallet and an interest in shooting. We were talking to them and convincing them. This was a good idea. And as they bought it, then their friends bought it. And we started doing that in 2005. So we've talked to a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Over the no kidding. When you first started out, did you guys have your own line or how did that work?
2: Yeah. Good question. So Interestingly enough, I started doing it in a couple, I would say like maybe I was in year, well, year one, I really only did like the Sioux Falls and a couple of shows near where I live, where mm-hmm. the high population is. But the second year, I decided to branch out a little bit and I went to Pierre, South Dakota, where our capital is. And pretty much 100% of the people that go to the Pierre Gun Show in South Dakota are farmers, ranchers, and hunters. And I could tell very quickly that when I put what appeared to be a very tactical uh, can on the table, And they were my cans as sort of, you know, pitch pieces or demos. I could just tell the the people looking at them, they didn't like the heavy weight. Typically the tactical, it seems like sometimes tactical, they just want it quiet. Uh, They just want it hearing safe. They don't want it super quiet. They aren't typically as worried about weight. I could just tell the hunter wanted a couple of different things. The hunter wanted to be able to take it apart and clean it. The hunter wanted uh, titanium because it's super light. And then the hunter wanted it really, really quiet. So I found a manufacturer in Trenton, Georgia that was making an all titanium suppressor they tested really well and they i wouldn't say they focused on hunting but i kind of went to them and partnered with them to make product for us and one of the reasons why i did that is at this point our volume was starting to really creep up and back then you didn't go through a wholesaler you went directly to the manufacturer and it was difficult to find a manufacturer that could sort of keep up with our demand and typically our demand was always january february march because that's when all the gun shows were and that's when all the sportsman shows were so it was hard to call someone up and say, I need to get, you know, several hundred of these for the first three months of the year. It just, that's why we had to sort of branch out and start finding partners that could make them for us. Mm
1: -hmm. Interesting. And then since then you guys now have, is it seven SKUs, seven different cans available? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yes, for sure. I mean, we have pretty much every caliber covered. And, you know, I always say Silencer Central is a dealer. Our expertise is making the process super simple. You know, we have a whole call center here that if you call in, they'll help you fight any suppressor you need. But having done this for almost 18 years, my experience is that, boy, it's just always hard to keep inventory on the shelf unless you're making your own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Because I've explained this to a few friends, even people that are in the industry. Like, I could understand if it was, you know, I was talking to somebody outside the industry and I was like, yeah, Silencer Central will literally do all the paperwork for you and can like ship it to your door. Even people that I tell this to in the industry, they're like, minds are blown. Explain to me, how are you guys able to do this? I saw a little bit about this when I spent some time with Silencer Central and Sturgis this past week, which a lot of fun, but I was just watching, you know, the sales guys and they were like, okay, taking fingerprints, take your picture. And I was trying to kind of even understand the concept because even I don't completely understand it. Like how you guys have the ability to do this.
2: Yeah. Good question. So maybe I should back up a little bit just to give like maybe some additional context. So when I moved to our second location, which was in North Dakota, I realized really quickly that I had a great understanding of doing one location, but I had zero understanding of doing two locations. So I reached out to ATF in St. Paul, Minnesota, because that's kind of where the Dakotas and Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, that's kind of our hub for ATF. So I called them and said, hey, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, their feedback was, hey, they're illegal at this time in Minnesota. We're not you know, it's not something we do every day. So we're not going to be able to help you a lot. They said call the NFA branch, which is the National Farms Act there in West Virginia they're really set up more for processing the paperwork. They're not really there to give you advice. So Mm -hmm. what I did is I hired a consultant from the National Shooting Sports, NSSF. I called them, I hired a consultant. He came and spent two days with me and he helped me really understand the rules about having like several locations and what the requirements would be and how to maintain those requirements. But in simplest terms, I have a physical store and an FFL and what they call an SOT, which allows you to sell the you know, the suppressors mm-hmm. and all 42 states where silencers are legal. So when we do the paperwork, we're submitting the paperwork underneath the FFL that's in our, our business name at the location of the state where you're a resident. So for you in Colorado, when we have generated the paperwork, we would have generated all the paperwork underneath our Colorado location. So when your suppressor is approved, we're able to mail it to your front door from our Colorado location. And the reason why we can mail it to you directly is because there's no background check required. Now, we still have to do a 4473, Mm -hmm. and we have Mm -hmm. a a variance to the ATF to do that digitally, but you don't have to meet face-to-face under federal statutes if no background check is required. And there's no background check required because the FBI does the background check for the ATF before they send us the approval.
1: Interesting. That's pretty genius
2: yeah and you know just to give some additional context maybe too much context but in august of 2016 in my line is really when this became an option or an opportunity because before when a person did a trust to buy a suppressor the feds defined a trust as an entity and then there was no background check on anyone that was on the trust so they wanted the dealer to do a background check on whoever came and picked it up so the background check was still required (laughs) But Obama changed some of the federal statutes and the ATF called it uh, ATF 41F. So it was kind of an executive order where Obama wanted a background check on everyone that was on a trust or an individual done. And and they did it on an individual before it was approved. But now they basically moved anyone that was buying on a trust to the same process as if they were an individual. So now everyone that buys an NFA item, a silencer, a sharp rifle, machine gun, a destructive device, they all have to have a background check. And because the approval, when it shows up to us as a dealer as approved, there's no background check required. So that's how we're able to mail it to the customer's front door. So, you know, it was really popular during the pandemic, obviously, because we have sort of a touchless process. We can mail it to the front door without ever, you know, seeing you face to face per se. But the other benefit I find, and again, this is just my experience for working gun shows for like the last 17 years and. You know, they, I would say they don't let me work as many shows as I used to, but we probably work two to 300 shows a year. Mm -hmm. And at those shows, we have face to face contact with the customer. And what I find in that interaction with the customer is that the pressure point or the obstacle keeping a customer from buying a suppressor is 100% about the process.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. So once we tell them we can mail it to them after it's approved, they don't have to come pick it up you know, we can, we can make it streamline. It's super easy. This is all we do. We've been doing it almost 18 years. It's very attractive for a customer to jump into the process and enjoy it so much that, you know, the average customer buys four or five from us actually get one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes perfect sense because I get asked this all the time. Like people are like, what's the process in order for me to get a suppressor or any sort of NFA item. And it's kind of just this, you know, everybody knows how to buy a gun nowadays, but anything outside of that just kind of seems sort of almost taboo. Like, oh, is it legal for me? I mean, most people don't even know that it's actually legal for them to own a suppressor.
2: Oh, totally. So. No, excellent point. And what I find too, that like, you know, we were talking about us having our own in-house brand. I mean, we could sell anything. We're a dealer, but my experience is that once a person understands the process and how we execute it, The next question they ask is, how do we get started? They don't say, you know, I want a Chevy or Cadillac or Corvette or, you know, they're just like, Hey, which one's the best for what I'm doing? Let's get it rolling. So Mm -hmm. until the biggest obstacle in their mind is what's the process, like you said, and then once they're sold and we've got that figured out, then they're like, all right, how do we move forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about primary arms. So if you guys are looking for a good, affordable, low-power variable optic for an AR or another CQB rifle, you should definitely check out the SLX 1-6x24 to SFP scope with the ACSS reticle for 5.56, 5.45, or 308 it's a second focal plane reticle. So remember those holds are calibrated for maximum power. The reticle is also illuminated and it's covered by primary arms, lifetime warranty, even for defects and even normal wear and tear, which is awesome. Best of all, it's only $289 99 cents. Remember to check it out at primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code gun funny. That's all one word. And that's going to get you a free cleaning kit with every primary arms optic that you buy. When you guys are also doing the paperwork for your customers, you also include a free NFA trust, which is really pretty awesome because a lot of these places are charging at least a few hundred dollars for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone asked me how that started. You know, the honest truth is probably one of my best friends is a trust attorney. And he reminded me that in South Dakota, if you practice law and you were trying to sell a trust to make money... That could be perceived as practicing law without a license, and that's a felony. So his advice to me was either hire him or hire someone to make a trust that is ATF approved and works in every state, and then just give it away free as a service. Because once we had that fixed cost of creating a trust for everyone, then it's a matter of plug and play to put the information in there for each individual and what they're acquiring. So it made sense for me. It was more just from a compliance standpoint. I didn't want you know the state bar of any state coming and saying, we're selling legal information or we're doing something inappropriate. And it just, it seems to have given us a competitive advantage. You know, my experience too, is most dealers will tell you, you don't need a trust. And that's because it creates an additional level of complexity for them. And also it creates additional expense and they're afraid it's going to hurt their sale. Mm -hmm. But having done this for almost 18 years, I've met too many widows that are kind of like, what do I do now? Yeah. So it's like, how do we do it right for the customer? And they're going to appreciate it. We also help you maintain it. So if you need to make changes, we tell you how to do it so that you're not... Just kind of stuck with what you get.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And just so people are aware, what are the importance of having a trust? I mean, you mentioned before, you know, somebody, if a spouse passes away and then, you know, the widow was like, okay, what do I do with this can? Can I have it legally? You know, I mean, there is definitely a lot of fear around that, especially since it's an NFA item.
2: Oh, that's a good point. So the first three I bought were all in my name personally. So in my mind, the purchase of a suppressor is just a title transfer. I love the analogy is it's just like buying a truck. And the only difference is you can leave the lot with a truck with a suppressor you can't, but really it's a title transfer. So the ATF we and all the paperwork, we're essentially asking them to transfer the title of ownership from us, the dealer, to the individual or to the trust. And then all the other paperwork flows through from that. But The advantage to the customer is several things. I mentioned that all the ones I bought were in my name. So it's very finite. Like only I can use the suppressor or somebody with me can use the suppressor. Someone else could not be in possession with it if it's in my name. And then also the other hard part is once you pass away, there's a lot of paperwork to execute transferring it to like a beneficiary or an heir after you pass away. Mm -hmm. So the benefit of having a trust is the trust actually owns the suppressor. And you can make changes to the trust. So the way we do it is we put one customer on there, the person that buys it from us, and they go through the whole process of the you know the transferring the ownership from us to that trust. And then once that approval comes through, the individual can add as many people as they want to that trust as long as they're 18 or older. And also that they're you know not prohibited from owning a farm. and then they can use that suppressor as well. So they can take it hunting, uh, even if the main person is not there. They can take it with them, and also allows for a provision where they can inherit it. So I'd say the benefits, the biggest benefits of a trust are that you can share your item. A lot of guys, gals want to be able to share with their children and allow their kids to go hunting if maybe they can't make it. And then sometimes you'll see. Uh, Hunting camps do it where they put everyone at the camp on it, or you you see families. If you have a group that are out hunting together, they all want their name on it so they can use it. Mm -hmm. But then also the benefit of just being able to give it to the person without any paperwork after you pass away. There's no additional background checks or anything like that when you add someone to the trust or if someone inherits the trust. So it just streamlines the process downhill.
1: Very nice. And people can purchase suppressors directly from your website. Can you just kind of walk us through that process if they were you know, to head to your website and buy a suppressor right then and there? Yeah. How easy is it?
2: Yeah, good question. So yeah, com. you know, basically you buy a suppressor, you're going to get an email, it's going to ask you some information for us to create the paperwork for you. Think of the paperwork is just enough information so the FBI can do the background check on you, but then also uh, we will create a trust for you based on the information you provide. We're going to send all that to you and DocuSign. You're going to confirm it's completed correctly. You're going to sign it. We're going to upload that actual paperwork to the ATF's website. They have a new digital e-forms process through the ATF. It started in December of last year, December 23rd of 2021. And right now we're seeing about 120 to 150 days on approvals for the people that have done the e-forms. So we'll upload that uh, trust paperwork that we create for you that you sign. We'll upload the ATF paperwork called ATF Form 4. They call one thing a responsible party form. We have you fill that out. Digitally, We create it for you, you sign it. The other thing is you just have to send us a picture of yourself. The statutes were created in 1938. They just need a picture. So you kind of stand up against the white wall, take a picture, upload it to us. We need your fingerprints. So we'll mail you blank cards. We'll send you a video to watch to show you how to take your own fingerprints. We scan those in digitally and then we upload your photo and your fingerprints to the ATF along with your paperwork. We submit it to the ATF for their approval. We wait 120 to 150 days. It gets emailed the approval to both you and us as the dealer. And then we go through a process where we mail it from our location in the state you live in to your front door. So although that sounds like a lot, there's a lot of handholding on our part. Like as soon as you buy, we're going to send you a text message saying, hey, you know, be sure to check your email. We just sent you a, a form where we got to capture information to create the forms. Uh, Once you create the forms, we're going to send you a reminder, a text saying, hey, make sure you sign them. You're going to get them via DocuSign. So we're keeping you updated throughout the entire process and sending you a monthly update so you kind of know where it's at in the process.
1: Nice. I love it. And you guys have really, I mean, your company just continues to grow. So one thing I noticed when I was hanging out with a lot of the employees at Silencer Central this past week is I was asking people like, oh, how long have you been with the company? And some people are like, oh, three months, seven months. And I'm like, uh, okay, red flag. Uh, I'm like, is there a lot of turnover? And they're like, no, it's just that we're growing that substantially that you guys are just adding so many new people on. And I mean, I was impressed even the first night when all three houses that we were staying at, we were all staying at Airbnbs, they all had dinner and just the amount of salesmen and I mean, it was just, its like pretty incredible. Did this happen like right around COVID or, I mean, what would you attribute such growth to?
2: That's a good question. So, you know, if you look at our growth, it's always pretty much doubled every year since 2005. Mm -hmm. But the disclaimer is that number used to be a lot smaller.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um,
2: But, you know, in March of 2020, we were at 17 employees, which included myself. I would say we probably have 250 now if you included everyone, like, part-time, our employees at all of our locations across the country, the people who work the events that are Mm -hmm. part-time. We have probably about 120 in our building here in Sioux Falls. It's a 52,000 square foot building, but good question. I would say that what helped the growth was just being in more states because before it was just South Dakota, then it was, you know, South Dakota and we would gradually add states that connected to South Dakota where, where we worked events. But then, you know, we started working the Safari Club Internationals, the Dallas Safari Club, you know, the NRA, the bigger events. And to effectively work those events like Sturges, you have to be licensed in all 42 states. So once we got into all 42 states, we just, you know, honestly started spending millions telling people our message that, you know, the sort of the negatives of shooting a firearm are the recoil and the sound. Mm -hmm. And if we can help you mitigate that with a suppressor and we make the process of getting that easy then it's a message that's compelling. And the other, you know, we do a lot of things to make the process easy. You mentioned one of them, you know, being able to get the free trust. You know, we mentioned the other one of mailing it to their front door. We also thread barrels. So if a customer says, Hey, I don't have threads on my rifle, how am I going to get out of my gun? That's something we do. Oh wow! Um, We also let people pay while they wait. You know, a lot of guys show up to the show and say, my wife's going to kill me. If I pay, you know, several hundred bucks here for a suppressor, I'm not going to see for a couple months. I can't bring it home. (laughs) She's not going to be too happy about that. So we say, Hey, Why don't you put on a hundred bucks today, get the process started. As long as you pay it off before uh, we ship it to you, we're happy and we don't charge any interest, no fees, nothing. And most people sort of like that approach. We're in the boat with you. We know it's going to take the feds a while to approve it. But to your question on growth, I think it's just moving into so many more states, you know, spending the money, kind of leaning into the opportunity of telling people about our process that we're licensed in every state. We mail it to your front door. And then just the back end, I mean, you know, when you sell a hundred thousand suppressors in a year, you got to have a big staff just to be able to ship them out. You got to have a big accounting staff, you know, it's just, it's sort of the infrastructure around that, you know, large compliance staff to make sure that we're keeping our paperwork as the, you know, feds and even state law requires. So a lot of it was infrastructure once the sale comes through, which is important. I mean, I've seen a lot of, oddly enough, I've seen a lot of NFA dealers over the years go out of business because. They're getting paid up front for the, for the suppressor, so their pocket's full of money, and then when it comes time to deliver it, for whatever reason, they didn't order the suppressor, they didn't follow through, and they just they went bankrupt. So you know, I can think of 10 or 15 just kind of regionally around here that over the years it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. That's why we always try to focus on We've been doing it since 2005, and we've gradually kind of scaled it. We didn't try to get big overnight. Just every year, we grow a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about Mantis. Yesterday, I was supposed to be recording content, and I did record some content, but I will say in between that, I was hanging out at my desk and using the Mantis Laser Academy. If you haven't checked it out, it's just a fun, affordable way to train. It has the target, you use the app, you put a little laser, like a little laser cartridge, in the chamber of your gun. So you're training with your specific gun and trigger. And every time you pull that trigger, that laser goes off and it's detecting all of your shots, scoring you. So it's a really great way to drive fire really hone in on that accuracy. And then if you're not honed in on the accuracy and you were like, Oh, well, what's going on? You know, what am I doing wrong? Then they also have the X 10, which is a great device that you put on the Picatinny rail of the front of your gun. And it will tell you exactly what you're doing wrong. So Mantis has really, I mean, made me such a great shot. In fact, I actually shot, you'll see, I'll, I'll upload the video here in the next week or two, but I shot a bullseye and it's the size of a card, (laughs) a business card, and it's from pyramid air. And I had to do some competition thing with a 22 at 25 yards away. And I could probably attribute this to Mantis because I've been practicing with it and has definitely like helped me to hone in on my skills. So if you guys want to check it out, head on over to MantisX.com. Brandon, I have to ask, have you thought about, I know you guys sell all of your suppressors, but have you thought about selling other company suppressors to like really yeah. take over the market?
2: Yeah, you know, we offer any silencer on the market. We offer the only hard part is we have to go through a wholesaler to acquire it. You know, we keep about a million dollars worth of suppressors from other manufacturers on the shelf so mm-hmm. that we can pull them off. So, yeah, no, we sell. I would tell you that most of the manufacturers would tell you we're their biggest seller as a dealer, just because we're in 42 states. So, yeah, we definitely sell every other product and have them on the shelf. So if someone's interested and they have their mind on something, maybe they a friend has, all they got to do is call
1: us and we can make it happen. Oh, OK. That's good to know. Brandon, I have to ask, another thing that I noticed when I was in Sturgis is I overheard a lot of your salesmen when people are like, wow, how are you able to do this? And they specifically said, we work with the ATF as opposed to against the ATF in order to make this happen. So what has your relationship with the ATF been?
2: Yeah, good question. I mean, the hard part is I know that most of my customers and probably your audience have a negative opinion of the ATF. I I sort of took the approach of you know, they're kind of in charge, they get to, you know, they're in a great position, they get to sort of make and interpret the rules. So if I want to, from a compliance standpoint, grow my business, I have to really understand the rules and understand their interpretation of them. So, you know, right or wrong, I'm the guy that's at every compliance event that the ATF attends, I'm always there, mm-hmm. I'm always on the front row, and I'm always taking notes. So my goal is to A, be the most educated person in America on NFA laws, but then also an expert on how they interpret them and how they're going to interpret them in the future. So I spent a lot of my time focused on that and have sort of become a national expert on that just to help our business grow. But, you know, I would say that we have a good working relationship with the ATF. Typically we go to the ATF and say, hey, here's what we want to do. How do we make this happen? How do we we work with you to make this happen? And right now we have, you know, probably 10 or 15 variances where the ATF allows us to do something different than what the federal statutes sort of call out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we're doing anything that is different than anyone else. It just means that, you know, the the NFA laws are written in 38. The you know the gun control act was written in 68. So how do we how do we get the ability to do things digitally that the federal statutes currently don't mention? Mm -hmm. And we've worked with ATF to figure that out, you know, just hey, here's what we want to do. We want to do this digitally. Will you allow us to do this? And they've worked with us to make that happen.
1: That's awesome. I think that that's how it should be. I mean, at the end of the day, and I've said this previously on my show before, but a lot of these ATF agents are actually like pro-gun. Most of them own guns and NFA items themselves. And ideally, I mean, it should be something where we work together because ultimately, they're just trying to prevent any additional crime from happening. They shouldn't be trying to you know, take away our rights. And no, I
2: agree a hundred percent. I find that when I'm in red states, pretty much everyone you work with ATF is very they don't find anyone to be anti yeah. gun or anti-firearm or anything like that. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I and I do find that they are willing to work with you. I do find that like you said, it's not a public safety issue. Suppressors are not something they're worried about used in, you know, nefarious crimes or not like uh, Hollywood would sort of call exactly. out some of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In fact, and I find it so interesting because in other countries, it's actually considered rude not to shoot with a can. Totally. But yeah, here absolutely. it's like, oh, you got to jump through all these hoops just to make your gun a little bit quieter. But I mean, it, like you said, it's not like Hollywood where, you know, you're shooting this gun and you can't hear anything because <laughs> that would yeah. be that would be phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, no, totally. I mean, because I still occasionally will even wear your protection. You know, if there's even like, let's say, people, multiple people are shooting suppressed, I mean, you still hear and you should protect your hearing. So, is there anything else, any future plans that you can share with us?
2: Um, You know, we have a product coming out in December. You know, it's probably tailored more for the hunter, it's for like sort of backcountry crowd where every ounce counts. Uh So, anticipate us launching something that's you know, 100% titanium, super light, probably a little bit shorter than anything else on the market, really lightweight for that backcountry market. So nice. I'd say that's the, the newest thing that we have um, coming. You know, it's interesting. The market always picks up as it starts getting colder because I think people start talking about hunting and
1: mm-hmm.
2: it just, you know, we have obviously a lot of shooters, but we also have a big contingency of, of hunters. Just, I would say the biggest state for suppressors is obviously Texas. And I think that has something to do with the uh, feral hogs and the ability to hunt them at night. Mm-hmm. You see, the, you see the, the people shoot the coyotes at night too. It's a big thing in the Dakotas. So hunting, it feels like it's what's driving the whole suppressor market. But you know, as we start getting towards the end of the summer here, I think you're gonna find the interest in suppressors are gonna only increase. The the one big thing that I think people are forgetting, and I should give some insight on this. So the ATF wait time for someone that submitted a paper application for forms. So the silencer purchasing process, I think I mentioned earlier, the digital process, Mm -hmm. but previously there was a paper process. So it's sort of a hard discussion, but think of it as um, a highway. Right now we have two lanes on the highway. The people that submitted it in paper in 2021 or 2020, those folks are waiting like 20 months to get it approved. There was just a huge boom during the whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there's a long wait time. So now think about the other people that have all bought since like, say, 2022. They've been submitted digitally. They're getting them in four months. So it's creating a lot of angst online. So you have some people yelling, like, I, I'm never getting approved. This is horrible. I hate this process. And you have other people say, I'm getting approved so quickly. I can't believe it. This is amazing. I heard it was going to take forever. I'm getting it quickly. So that's just some insight for your customers. I mean, for your listeners that there's some people that are going through the process right now that went through the old way. And there's a lot of people that have gone through the process the new way. Our experience is that demand will increase significantly as the wait time for customers to get approved continues to go down. When I first started doing this, the approval time was two weeks. So if we can get to a 30 to 45 day approval time, I think you're going to see a lot more firearms with suppressors on them in the near future.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't believe the difference though between whether you submit your paperwork with, you know, actual like physically or versus electronically.
2: Yeah. So paper, they did a time and motion study at the NFA branch. And I think they said it was 42 times they touch it for when we ship it because we ship it to a bank who processes it, who then ships it to them. But it's touched 42 times before it comes back here. And wow. I always, you know, sort of in a group setting say, hey, anytime the federal government touches something 42 times, it's not going to end well.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. All so right. We're
2: super excited about that digital process, digital e-forms. Buying a suppressor from Silencer Central on the eForms is revolutionary. It's it's hard to believe that you can get something for three to four months. It's it's definitely the way to go.
1: Absolutely. If you guys want to check out Silencer Central, head on over to silencercentral.com. You guys are also on social media. I'm just assuming Silencer Central. Yes, sir. For yes. Instagram yes. and yes. Facebook. That's, yep, absolutely. Okay, perfect. All right, Caldwell. I just mentioned earlier ear protection, critical, even if you are shooting suppressed, which I mean, at that point, I don't always use ear protection when I shoot suppressed, but it's one of those things that you don't want to lose it. You want to take care of what you have. You should check out the e power cords that Caldwell has. It's a great compact option. And it also includes Bluetooth. The earbuds have 22 decibel of noise reduction and adjustable ambient sound amplification so that you can hear others on the range. Since they're Bluetooth, you can also pair it with like a smartphone to listen to music or place phone calls. One of the great things about them is the cord keeps the small buds together, so you're not going to lose them, which is like the story of my life with those little electronic earbuds. I always seem to lose one and then or find it in the washing machine later on. And I was like, cool, that's like $200 down the drain. That cord definitely helps and comes in handy. They also come with different ear tips. So, you know, you compare them to fit your ear perfectly. Right now they're on sale, $109.99. But if you use the code gunfunny10, you're going to get 10% off. And again, that is at caldwellshooting.com.
0: Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political
1: AF. Today in politics, I don't know if you had a chance to look over this, but FBI whistleblower leaks FBI, quote, domestic terrorism symbols guide. Earlier this week, an FBI whistleblower, he leaked a new domestic terrorism guide on militia violent extremists that is extremely troubling giving the content. So if you haven't seen it yet, the outrageous document mixes very common historical conservative symbols or phrases with criminal activity to portray them as indicators of Potential Militant Violent Extremism, which we'll just refer to as MVE. At the top of the document, the following symbols are used by anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists, specifically militia violent extremists, MVE. MVE symbols are often found on propaganda, online platforms, memes, merchandise, group logos, flags, tattoos, uniforms, etc., Widespread use of symbols and quotes from American history, especially the Revolutionary War, exists within MVE networks. Historic and contemporary military themes are common for MVE symbols. The list of things that they consider is actually pretty ridiculous. So, the historical Gadsden flag, which, if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's the Don't Tread on Me flag, yellow with the snake which is one of the oldest flags from the Revolutionary War. The Betsy Ross original American flag, the Liberty Tree, the Alamo flag, and any Revolutionary War imagery of militiamen are all included. Phrases like, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. I will not comply. The Tree of Liberty must be refreshed from time to time. References to anything regarding the disastrous actions by the ATF at Waco or Ruby Ridge References to the Second Amendment, they say that MVEs justify their existence with the Second Amendment, Black Flags, Punisher Skulls, Boogaloo, Three Percenters, and more. Basically, anything that has historical reference to how the country was founded or mistrust of the many instances of misconduct by the government is considered by the FBI to be a sign that you're an extremist. One thing that I thought was weird was there's no mention of like Antifa or... I almost hate to say BLM, but any of the groups in the last couple of years and their symbols that caused, I mean, think about the billions of damage that was caused in the last couple of years and also including deaths. But that's not mentioned in here. This isn't the first time that the FBI has been caught using ridiculous indicators to target people for potential terroristic tendencies. Another initial flyer from the FBI created several years ago said that someone visiting a gun shop or a range that had shaved their beard off or insisted on paying in cash. Another had the FBI investigating people visiting gun shops who were talking about big government. Basically, if you believe in history and standing up for our rights, it puts you on their radar. (laughs) Definitely pretty insane, some of the stuff that they come out with. It's so crazy to me, especially, like, in a time when, like, they'll investigate parents for, like, speaking out at a school board meeting, but not people who, like, riot and burn down cities, and it's just, it's so crazy to me. But if you guys want the full article, there is a link in the show notes. Franklin Armory. Brandon, have you ever shot Binary... In binary mode? Um. It's so much fun. So you can either shoot, you know, semi-auto. So every pull of the trigger, a round shoots off. Binary, you flip the switch and it essentially, if you get the cadence down, you can shoot pretty rapidly, pretty quick. But a bullet comes out when you pull the trigger and then as you're releasing the trigger, another round shoots
2: Oh, yeah. No, I haven't. I have a lot of machine guns. So I've shot full auto, but not binary.
1: You're like, I don't even mess with that because I have machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
2: Cause, well, cause as a dealer, uh, you know, I can make, yeah, the same price that it would cost someone to make an AR, I can make a full auto machine gun and register it and it's legal. I can't sell it to someone except law enforcement. But yeah, we have, yeah. We have a lot of machine guns. Yeah. That's
1: true. I didn't even think about that. Well, if you guys don't have that set up like Brandon does, or believe it or not, Brandon, I do have my SOT. Um, oh, gee, I don't do that. I do. Yeah. But if I had my class seven, I would be able to do the same thing, make yes. machine guns. I couldn't sell it to the public. It would be like a dealer sample. But if you don't have the ability for that, then I would definitely recommend binary. It's like the closest to, I hate to say machine gun, but I mean, it's pretty close. It just is so much fun. I'm addicted to it. I don't even want to shoot in regular semi auto anymore. And they also have one coming out for a Glock, which should be releasing. I want to say like in the next month or so. And I am so excited for that. Like I cannot wait to try it out. But they make it for a variety of different guns. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA. That's A-V-A. And that's going to get you 10% off your entire order.
0: Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's Q&A. So as always, guys, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me. You could do so by just going to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form. But today's question is, what are your thoughts about the loss in the bump stock case this week? Brenda, did you notice, did you have a chance to look into this?
2: No, I think someone brought it up to me. I think that they said that, because we have lobbyists, so our lobbyists said they, it was supposed to come out here pretty soon and they were going to make a decision. It's coming up. Uh, I think it was delayed a little bit.
1: Well... So the news is actually pretty disappointing. Like they did lose. Not surprising, I think, considering that this was like the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. I mean, it's always been like a foregone conclusion that this case and all the bump stock cases won't be settled until they end up in the Supreme Court. But, Mm. you know, with the recent Bruin ruling combined with like the EPA ruling, Supreme Court's very likely to strike down the ban. But... That is, of course, if it makes it to the court with the current makeup of judges, but I don't know if that's going to happen. It is definitely disappointing. IWI. Okay. So have you ever been like super I'm sure you have, but you ever get like notification that a gun is shipping your way and you're like super excited for it. And you know, we live in 2022, so I don't have to keep like refreshing to look up the tracking number. I can get, you know, text messages or emails. I've been checking my phone to see if I'm getting a text message because I should be getting delivered today an IWI X95 SBR. And I'm super excited for the SBR, which, you know, the short barrel rifle version. I've wanted this now for maybe a year and a half, two years And IWI is like, we're going to try our best to get you one because they have to import it from Israel and it's just like a lot more paperwork involved. And it's not as easy as just getting like a regular X-95, but they finally got me one. It's FDE. I can't wait to hold it and shoot it and put all the accessories on it. And I'm just super excited about it. That's been my day. There's one good thing to, to look forward to. It has a 13 inch barrel, so it's not 16 inches. So it's a little bit smaller. And I don't know. I'm definitely just, I'm excited to shoot it. I don't think I've shot the SBR version. I have shot the regular Tabor. Do you have any experience with any IWI products?
2: You know, they came up to our booth there at Sturges. My team seems super excited about it. So I'm looking forward to what they're bringing back. Because of course the uh, Sturges ends on Sunday, but... No, that was probably one of the companies that was brought up the most. I had an interest in kind of collaborating and working with us. So it's made me kind of look into their stuff more. Yeah. Super interesting.
1: Yeah. They actually were doing a giveaway. Oh, cool. Yeah. So Jeremy from IWI, he asked you know some of your employees if they wanted to collaborate and do a giveaway where he's giving away a Zion 15 AR, and then he was upgrading the can that you guys were giving away. So... Yeah, but they offer some really awesome stuff. Like everything they make is just amazing. But if you guys want to check it out, head on over to IWI. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire web store order. Tech
0: Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now.
1: Today in Tacti Talk, Wolfpack Armory releases the WP-47. And I'll be honest, I've never heard of Wolfpack Armory before. They are in Fairmont, West Virginia, I believe. But they have my attention. So they just released this WP-47 pistol. It's a hybrid combining the AK-47 and the M16 platform, which is kind of cool. The upper and lower are both billet-machined aluminum for tight tolerances. The upper looks pretty normal for an AR, except you get a non-reciprocating charging handle on the left side. The upper also has a free-floated M-lock handguard and a 10.5-inch barrel chambered in 7.62x39. The lower is designed to be more like an AK receiver, but with AR ergonomics. It takes normal AR grips and a two-stage combat trigger. The lower has an AK style release and uses standard AK mag. So it's kind of like best of both worlds. It also includes the SBA3 brace from SB tactical and uses the nitride AR style bolt carrier group and a chrome plate firing pin. You get the gun, the AKP mag and a hard case for $1,499, which is pretty good, especially if it works well, because I know sometimes combining these platforms like I put together an AR chambered in seven six two by thirty-nine and I had to do quite a bit of research in order for it to run flawlessly. If this thing works well, that's a pretty good price. But I like I said, I I haven't checked it out, but they did just come out and has my attention, and hopefully I'll get to review one in the next couple of months. Manicore arms. <music> Like I said, I have the X 95 SBR heading my way. So of course I'm going to put a bunch of Manicorum's accessories on it. I'm going to put like the switchback charging handle. They have the Luma safety levers. So they're just like nice rounded edges. They're a lot easier on your fingers. If you're not wearing gloves, they have the gasketed port cover so that you can suppress it without getting a bunch of gas in the face. The cantilever forend. I mean, they have all kinds of stuff. I'd change out the muzzle device. Basically, once I do all this stuff, I'm going to be in top shape and just ready to rock it on the range. So if you guys want to check out all the stuff that they make, head on over to manicorearms.com. Use the code AVAROCKS15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as. Never mind. A-F-
1: Today's AF segment on Wednesday, Biden made an absolutely outrageous claim that the U S had zero inflation in July after the federal consumer price index showed a small dip in annual inflation to 8.5% from the previous month of 9.1%, which I mean, isn't that complete BS? (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not like that old, but, and I've seen, you know, I mean, obviously I was around like when the recession hit in like 2008, like I've seen the economy, you know, peaks and valleys and stuff like that, but I've never seen inflation like this before in my life. It's kind of crazy how much, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Brandon?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, my assistant told me her apartment rent, she's up for renewal, went up
1: 37%. Oh, wow. Well, that's a lot. That is and that doesn't include gas to get here. <laughs> I know, I know. And okay, so gas finally like went down a little bit, but it's nowhere near how it was even like two years ago. Totally. And then for him to just say there, like blatantly, like, yeah, it's gone zero. So he said, I want to say a number zero. Today we received news that our economy had zero percent inflation in the month of July. Zero. Which I'm like, uh, I don't know who yeah. you think your audience is, but I mean, I have a brain. (laughs) Uh, So here's what that means. So while the price of some things go up, uh, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. The result, zero inflation last month. That's what he said. So the real truth is that's a complete lie. Obviously, gas prices did drop 7.7% in July over the previous month. But, I mean, food, there's a big increase. The real measure of inflation, though, is done year over year. And for the month of July, it's still 8.5% that it increased. And then food increased 10.9%, which, yeah, mm. I mean, even if you go to the grocery store, it's insane. Just the price of everything. Like, I really don't know how a lot of people are able to survive. And then also, you know, it's kind of interesting is like when I went to Sturgis, so this was my first year going, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But a lot of people were saying that it was a little bit slower and they wondered if because, you know, gas prices and just really the, the price increase of everything, if that sort of affected people taking that trip out there or not.
2: Yeah, no, we totally heard that as well.
1: Yeah. Which I couldn't even imagine. I, have you been to Sturgis before?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I worked at the first year we went there. Yeah. our One of our biggest manufacturers is actually based there.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was really impressed. I've never seen so many bikes in my life and I have to laugh at myself because here I am riding this like old grandma car (laughs) and this was a rental. It wasn't mine which I made a joke. I was like, this is probably how I die because this rental car. Okay. The brakes would be like, do, 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 do. Like whenever I, you know, step on the brake and making it go faster. It was like, I thought the car was going to go die on me. And I told somebody, I'm like, yeah, this is how I die in this car. Like I, not to sound bougie, but at least I could be like in a luxury car or something. (laughs) So here I am in this little grandma car and there's just bikes. I mean, I even took a video of it and there's just, I'm the only car on the road for like ever. And I'm sure all these bikers are probably like, what's that lady doing? Probably thinking (laughs) I'm like some old lady, but yeah. That's funny. I know. But yeah, it was pretty funny. Anyways, the administration's response is basically this horrible, they're trying to do something to stop inflation called the Inflation Reduction Act. So It's expected to pass the House this week and already passed the Senate with Camilla Harris casting the tie-break vote. The bill, of course, will only make inflation worse. It includes $369 billion in funding for the Green New Deal that has already been shown to be a financial disaster. Over and over, they have claimed that taxes will only be on the wealthy to pay for this, But even the far left socialist Bernie Sanders said that it wasn't true. Even more troubling, the bill contains funding for 87,000 new IRS agents in part to collect revenue from misreported income, which I don't know if you've gotten wind of this, but I I was like, what? They're hiring 87,000 new IRS people. To give you an idea, I believe right now they have 78,000 employees. They're more than doubling. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then also they put out like a listing, like a job posting for the IRS and it even within the credentials, it was calling for armed agents, quote unquote, willing to use deadly force. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well guys, if you didn't pay your taxes, you better pay off. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's so crazy. But of course, so after people got wind of this and saw the posting, you know, that they were... Asking people to possibly use deadly force, they deleted it afterwards, but very crazy times that we're living in.
2: You know, if you saw the, they were wanting like Marty Daniels and the CEO of like Smith & Wesson and some of the other publicly traded companies to come before Congress. Yes. Um, they're the, sort of the, whatever the the National Shooting Sports Foundation submitted as sort of their opening statement It did talk about, you know, not not all of our ARs are sold to individuals and the IRS was on the list of people that had bought, you know, ARs in the last, you know, few years on government contracts. So it's interesting that it would be things like the IRS.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, what was also interesting is like when they were interviewing, who was it? It was Marty Daniels and then Ruger. I forget the guy's name from Ruger. Um, but you know, saying that like no, we we support the ATF and work with them and stuff, and then how all these people, you know, got out their pitchforks and yeah. Oh man, I'm like, if there's not one thing, like, okay, what are we gonna hate today? It's another, you know. Totally. Something different every day. But, anyways, guys, all right, so it is time to wrap up. We have one eye to review. Brandon, normally I would have you pick a winner, but this woman is undefeated. Her name is Casey Weaver, and she titled it New Listener, Great Podcast, Five Stars. I found Gun Funny Ava from listening to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. And since the first episode, I've been hooked. Mellow, entertaining, educational, humor, politics. It has it all. If you're a fan of guns and podcasts, this is the spot. One of my new favorites. Casey, congratulations. You are the winner. Just contact me at gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form, send me an address, and I will send you out a prize pack. And if you guys are interested in supporting the show, you should consider becoming a Patreon. You can do so by going to patreon.com or gunfunnypodcast.com, clicking on the support the show link. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And then King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Brandon, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with me to talk about Silence for Central. You guys are doing amazing things over there, and I just cannot wait to see you guys continue. You guys are going to take over the industry, in my opinion. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you online and social media and all that good stuff? Yeah,
2: you know, just for central.com or do a Google search for us. You know, I always recommend our sales guys. Like you said, we have like 30 guys that run our call center here. They love shooting. They love hunting. They are the experts. It doesn't mean you have to buy one just because you talk to them. They can just give you so much information. It's going to make you more f- comfortable about the process. And, you know, a lot of people forget you could buy a 30 cal and use it on all your center fires. You know, just some of these insider things you can learn from them. So I'd say click on the website, look around and just give us a call. But you mentioned Jon Snow, so we know him pretty well as well. So he's a great guy.
1: Nice. Very nice. All right, guys. Well, on that note, we are out of here and I will see you next week. I am actually this weekend going to Thunder Ranch to train with Clint Smith for an AK class and Grand Thumb is going to be with me. So wish me luck. I was told to bring knee pads and elbow pads. I'm slightly scared. I don't know what the hell I'm getting myself into, but hopefully I come out alive. And if I do, I will see you guys next week.